never right. The offseason rolls on. Green Bay Packers making moves, or at least you know, having visits, so to speak, in free agency. Ricky Jean Francois coming in to the Packers on what is today? Wednesday. <laughs> I've completely lost track of my mind here. Um, not too much known at this point. Uh, obviously, uh, he tweeted out that he was on his way to Green Bay. This is after meetings with the Seahawks and the Bears. A former Redskin defensive tackle who was cut uh, both as a cost-saving measure in Washington and most likely because he said some unflattering things about the organization and the way they've gone about their business this offseason. Presumably, this is a look-see at somebody who could make Latroy Guillon expendable down the line. Not anybody who's going to wow you with his quickness. Not anyone who's going to get to the quarterback on a regular basis. Uh, he would very much be a early down player. Um, something for you know whenever they go base, whenever they go uh, short yardage. Somebody who would be a big body and take up some double teams and you know, seal some edges, etc. Um, it's the kind of signing that would make a lot of sense in Green Bay. Um, however, with the facts out there that he has visited at least two other teams, uh, may, may have interest from a few others. I don't see Ted Thompson getting into a bidding war with anybody uh, for his services. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But that is the exact type of free agency transaction that I have been kind of <laughs> repeatedly mentioning on Facebook Live throughout the offseason. You know, Ted likes to let things settle, and then he will look at the landscape and and bring a guy in or make a call and see if they're interested he's not going to move fast he's he's going to be very deliberate it's all it's just how he operates speaking of which how ted thompson operates something that rob domofsky put out there with espn uh, earlier today and a couple days ago as well uh, regarding ted ted's um reticence to bring in guys that he's going to have to pay big money to there was a quote from an interview that Rob apparently had with Ted uh, back in January that I thought was very, very telling, very interesting. Ted Thompson says, quote, We start looking into what it means because what it means to take on a veteran player, it's more than just the player. It's how does the salary compare to other people on your team and does this ruffle feathers and all those other questions that maybe your average fan wouldn't think to answer, end quote. And I get what he's saying. Um, I do tend to think that that is a smart way to go about it. However, I also think that he takes it to an extreme. I, I think he's a, he's a bit precious about it. Um, it really reminded me of the interview that Randy Moss had uh, years ago after the Packers had uh, looked and inquired about trading for Moss uh, before Moss ended up going to the New England Patriots. And Randy Moss had had said that in their phone call, uh, Thompson and the Packers had been very adamant about making sure that Randy Moss was fully aware that Donald Driver was their number one receiver. Um, Again, looking not to ruffle any feathers. And I just think, you know, like I said, I understand that line of thinking. I understand why you operate that way. But I do tend to think that at the end of the day, these are big boys, you know? It ain't show friends, it's show business. And if you can bring in a talent like Randy Moss, you don't worry about 
oh, uh, Donald Driver's our number one. Make sure you know that. Like, who cares? If there's a guy that you can go get and improve your football team, it's a perfect example of how Ted is always so cognizant and so hypersensitive to the long-term health of his team. He... You know, he tends to shortchange his current team. And obviously that's just one example from a long time ago, but there are, you know, continuous examples, including the uh, drawing a line in the sand uh, for TJ Lang. I, I do not get that way of operating at all. You've got the one of the best offensive lines in the league. You've got a, a guard who has proven to be one of the best at his position in the league. You've got ample camps cap space. Uh, are you paying a little bit more at the guard position than you would like? Sure, of course. But you've got one of the, if not the best quarterback in the league. You want to keep him protected at all times with the best in front of him. Now suddenly you've cut one guard and you've let another guard go, two of the best in the business. How long are you going to be able to just get by at the guard position? We've seen this happen before in Green Bay when Thompson let go of Marco Rivera and Mike Wall. And that took some time to get out from under those moves. You know, the Packers have now created a, a problem for themselves self at right guard because of this philosophy. Again, always looking long-term, never about, okay, maybe I should do this for this, for this year, for this team. And again, it's why they've been contenders the entire time Thompson's been in charge. And that's, uh, you know... I, that's no, I can't give that short shrift because it is a seriously uh, impressive accomplishment. However, continually coming up short and then continually uh, operating the same way, at some point you are banging your head against the wall. At some point you are what Einstein said, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah, I get it. I get the frustrations. Uh, they appear in my Twitter <laughs> mentions every day. Um, anyway, I'm just babbling here. It's just interesting things I, I, I find, I read, I talk about here into this microphone, and I talk to you good people who are listening and downloading. Uh, speaking of listening and downloading, you're in for a treat listening today. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Josh Norris, uh, Roto World, NBC Sports, one of the best in the business when it comes to the NFL draft. Uh, he had a little piece of content up this morning about uh, T.J. Watt. I wanted to get him in to talk about it uh, and about the draft in general and the Packers specifically. So without any further ado, let's talk to Josh Norris here on Nagler's Never Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give him an introduction, even though he doesn't need one. It's Mr. Josh Norris, Roto World, NBC Sports, covers the draft like a glove. One of the best in the business at doing so. Josh, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Anytime. Aaron, I actually think this is the first time we've ever chatted. I so believe it is. I'm, I'm it glad is. to be doing this. Uh, Twitter, Twitter, long-time Twitter friends, first-time exactly. Skype talkers. That happens a lot, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, so, first of all, uh, I just want I, the whole reason I reached out to you is because of the uh, you're going through your mock draft there and you put up a video about TJ Watt and mm -hmm. in your mock you have him going to Dallas which I think makes a lot of sense 
can you explain to people why are you seeing him as a first-round pick? Because I know there's been, or there had been a lot of discussion about him dropping maybe into the second round, but it sure seems yeah. like his stock is on the rise significantly. Yeah, and Aaron, I, I put him at number 28 in that mock, and that mock is from a little bit over a week ago. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll lead in with this. I would not be shocked if T.J. Watt is the third ed, edge rusher off the board after Miles Garrett and Solomon Thomas, if we're talking about true edges, right? Like not Jonathan Allen, right. uh, so on and so forth, right? Um, look, it's not like I see that type of talent, that that transitional talent from college to the NFL um, – in terms of his pass rushing skills right now, but I think it's naive to um, dismiss all of the buzz that's around him right now in terms of, look, I mean, if, if you want to bring it up, he fulfills many of the buzzwords, right? Mm-hmm. First is, is bloodlines, and as much as we want to laugh about that, I guarantee you that any coach or um, evaluator, personnel guy, whatever in the NFL, if they like him, they're going to get up there and talk about how he's J.J. Watt's brother and <laughs> right. how, how we, we can kind of build off of that. And two, we, he tested in the 94th percentile among edge rushers. And, and that's coming from Zach Whitman of Three Sigma Athlete. If you want to go check that out, mm-hmm. um, just great work with composite scores. But it's really interesting how opinions, and I think it's valid, of edge rushers changed prior to the combine and post combine right um based on some of the top names you know who we really like like charles harris doing horribly testing the ninth percentile whereas maybe jordan willis tyus bowser tj watt among some others who weren't receiving a ton of love tested great and i'll I'll end with this i think that athleticism among edge rushers is one of the most important spots to factor that into an evaluation because it truly is one of the uncommon and rare one-on-one matchups we get on a football field right and if you have Consist- on a consistent athletic, basis right exactly and if you have an athletic advantage then that gives you a leg up immediately were you surprised at his testing i know coming into the combine you know that's everyone was talking about it everyone was saying they really wanted to see how he ran how explosive he tested etc right and then it seemed i don't want to say it took people aback but i think people were genuinely surprised at the athleticism that was on display. I mean, and and really what it go, comes down to is the six, seven, nine, three cone time. And if you look at since 2006, the top three cone times for edge rushers, it has an extremely great hit rate. Um, and he's right there. And that, I believe that's like a sub, a sub six, nine, and really even sub seven is, is outstanding. Um, but then you add on the fact that he's, you know, 252 pounds, had then a four-one-three short shuttle. I mean, you see the train, uh, the, the change of direction, the agility scores, and that jumps out. And again, I'm not going to say I saw a confident or a, a pass rusher that I'm confident in moving forward when watching him. Mm. But again, I think you're naive if anyone is if they don't include the the athleticism scores um, for for edge rushers and thinking it helps their trans it doesn't help their transition because I absolutely think it does. Talking about pass rushers, what's your take on Tack McKinley? I know he's got the uh, the surgery uh, yeah. in the rearview mirror now. Uh, I was really impressed talking to him at the combine. I mean, you talk about a guy who really can command a room and has just yeah. loses confidence. Clearly, he's dead set on you know not only playing this year but making a difference. Um, 
How do, how do you see that going? Do you think he's going to fall down because of that surgery? Or do you think well, there's a good chance he gets taken earlier? Yeah, and I believe the medical rechecks are April 13th and 14th. Right. And so maybe we'll have some more buzz. It's interesting. We didn't hear almost any buzz about any prospect out of the combine based on their medicals. Maybe they'll wait for the medical rechecks. Um, yeah, I mean, he dealt with that shoulder injury. I think it was a labrum tear, and there was a broken bone in there. I think it happened for two years in a row. Yeah. And there were a, a, occasional plays that I saw him make where he would try to lift his arms above his head and swat down balls, and then immediately when he came down would be holding that shoulder. Grabbing at it, um, yeah. So, so it obviously bothered him. Um, and we know that hand use, length, everything is super important for a pass rusher. I think what I saw in the last two years when watching him is that he's kind of a first-step pass rusher who, once he gets to the quarterback's depth, he wants to attack the the throwing arm, which I think is great. And a lot of guys, you know, just run around the pocket. I think he has that awareness, the, the backfield awareness to uh, want to uh, finish a play. But I think most importantly, and his best asset is his closing speed. I mean, his closing speed is unreal. So if you want to talk about when plays, you know, take longer than expected to, when quarterbacks escape out of the pocket, when it's outside of structure, I think that closing speed and a high motor on top of it will convert a lot of coverage sacks at the very least. So to me, at, again, at the very least, he's a secondary pass rusher on the team. And maybe if, you know, that shoulder heals and he can use his arms and his hands more often and more effectively, you could see a primary pass rusher for an NFL team. Obviously, we're talking pass rush because the Packers are in dire need of some. Uh, the other area that you have to think the Packers are looking at heading into the draft is corner. And I don't mm -hmm. want to talk about specific corners uh, matching up with the Packers at this point. It's really, still really early in the process. But I did want to get your take on with the injuries to Fabian Moreau and Jones earlier, how has that shaken up your board, how you're approaching the you know, this draft class, I mean, does yeah. it change significantly or is it just kind of knock them down a few notches? Um, let me be perfectly honest and tell you that I hate evaluating defensive backs. <laughs> um, I am, it is not a strong oh, suit of mine. Man. I'm not going to say I'm bad at it because, you know, that would be not a good thing for me to do when this is my job. Uh, <laughs> hey, but I'm not good at it. That's good. <laughs> um, no, Everybody's I got mean, a blind spot. It's all right. Exactly. No, and, and, and I, I just think, you know, it's time-consuming, and I, I don't exactly know the best areas to look at. Let's put it that way. But right. everyone loves this, this cornerback class, obviously. I mean, 10 in the top 50 picks, maybe 12 in the top 64. So I'm not – as of now, we're not exactly sure how significant the Moreau injury is. I think they call it a strain, and then he just hung out at practice afterwards. So, like, if he tore his pec, I mean, he would obviously be right. rushed to the hospital. Right. Um, the Sidney Jones one is obviously important because a torn Achilles is like an 11 month time frame. Um, and I know he said like the surgery went well and he's been assured he can play next year. That'll be interesting. Right, very but much I, so, right? I, I, I do think a team that has a high number of second round picks, maybe the Cleveland Browns could say, take the red shirt exactly. example from yeah. Trent Baalke that, didn't work ever for Trent Baalke, but maybe it'll work <laughs> in this case. <laughs> oh, uh, how many years did we hear that though? Like, oh, they're just they're just oh, killing I know. It. they're they're just stockpiling oh, all this talent, and then it and wasn't. I even talent. liked I even liked a few of the talents that they got with that, and it just never panned out with them. That's so. Good. Uh, but I, I I do feel that Sidney Jones would probably be the second or third corner off the board if healthy. 
Right. Um, and and if you get him in the second round, especially again with that analytics front office um, focused, then I, I I do think that they would believe that that's good value and might not have to rush him back into playing. Now, obviously, we can't talk draft and not talk quarterbacks, even though the Packers aren't in the market for a quarterback up top. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's a possi- a good possibility. I think you would agree. I think most evaluators would agree that it's highly unlikely that any of the quarterback needy teams at the top of the draft are going to take a quarterback, say, in the top 15. Now, it's, yeah. poss- it's possible, obviously, because it's the NFL draft and stuff happens every year that we don't expect. But I think there's a very good possibility that Ted Thompson receives a call or two uh, for number 29, uh, maybe from the team, maybe from the Cleveland Browns, looking to jump back into the first round to get that fifth-year option, control of the quarterback, etc. Um, what is your take on this draft class at the quarterback position? Because it seems like there's a lot of like disparate talents, but it doesn't seem yeah. like there's any one guy or even a couple of guys that have like leapfrogged and become kind of the, the bells of the ball, so to speak. Yeah, and first let me talk about people trading back in or teams trading back into to round one. It doesn't cost as much as people think. Right. I mean, when you when you look back a few years ago to when the Vikings traded back into number 32 overall, if I'm not mistaken, just moving up from their early second round pick, all they had to give up was either a third or a fourth rounder. Like it was barely anything when you're thinking about it yeah. to get that fifth year option. Um, so I agree. And in fact, Aaron, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team does that for maybe Christian McCaffrey as well to get a fifth year option yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if, you know, they pass on a running back early on. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, this whole quarterback class is all about flavors and types or whatever, whatever you're looking for the position. Right. Um, I mean, and, and really that's more evident in the quarterback spot than any other position. I mean, some people like, you know, big pocket passers with strong arms, uh, some like out of structure quarterbacks that, showcase great highlight reels and uh, don't win inside of a confined pocket. And I think you have really everything in this draft class. Um, I still contend that 2015 Deshaun Kaiser is the best quarterback tape out there in this class. Um, I mean, he was outstanding that year and taking over as a 19 year old unexpectedly Mm, and, and doing everything that he did, but then a complete decline in his play in 2016 for the most part after those first few games um, coincided with a complete decline in Notre Dame's talent across the board. Um, so, yeah, and, and then you have someone like Mitch Trubisky, who, or Mitchell, however you want to say it, uh, only, has, <laughs> only, has, only has 13 starts, and really it's just 12 because one was a weather game, and you have to throw that away. And, and I think a lot of people are linking him with the Browns. Right. And if, if he is taken with the Brown, by the Browns, then to me it's, it's solely a Hugh Jackson pick. Because sample size, and in this case, game starts, um, is a major, major part of analytics. And he has the fewest of this group. And so, to me, the Browns' um, um, analytics front office is, mm-hmm. is not going to be interested in that and would prefer someone else. But I, I think that we've seen, as things have been said since Cody Kessler been taken, that, that that was a front office pick and not Hugh Jackson. I mean, that was pretty evident when he said, oh, I have a 6'2 threshold. And then you just go back to the Google machine and say, <laughs> oh, Cody Kessler 6'1. You know, uh, so it's, it's pretty much not not his pick. So I, I think I'm not going to say there's dysfunction in there, but it's right. obviously pretty clear that they, they, they don't agree on everything. Hey, but Trubisky just got the Aaron Rodgers comparison. So, you know. Oh, my God. Did you see that? I did. The, the, I did. It was a personnel director that 
Todd McShay spoke to love it. who compared Mitch Trubisky to Aaron Rodgers coming out of Cal mm-hmm. and said, but but it takes it took a while for Aaron Rodgers to to develop. I will say this, and, and, and you mentioned this on your point that um, these obvious quarterback needy teams might pass up early on, which I agree with, and we could see teams as like a second tier of quarterback needs looking right. towards the future yep. take them. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New Orleans Saints, the, San- the L.A. Chargers, the, the Arizona Cardinals. I wouldn't be surprised if two of the four land with those teams and maybe even the first ones off the board land with those teams because we've seen how much these teams panic when they run out of their, their primary uh, passing uh, uh, quarterbacks. Uh, yep because of retirement or whatever, uh, just in free agency in the offseason. Well, it's like Madden always says, the worst time to look for a quarterback is when you need one, you know? And exactly. I think getting uh, out ahead of it would be smart. Before I'm done, can we talk about offensive linemen real quick? Oh, yeah, please. Um, Let's talk about because, Forrest Lamp, because I love him. Okay, and and <laughs> Justice Mosqueda, who I think is... Right. Uh, love Justice. And, and he pointed out trends, which I wish every... You know, person who closely covers a team would mm-hmm. because it helps me, you know, try to interpret the right. trends of long tenured decision makers mm-hmm. pointed out that everyone who starts along the Packers offensive line was like a left tackle in college for the most part. At some point, um, yeah. And and so really, you should only look at, you know, tackles who then get converted if we're just talking about the Packers. So Forrest Lamp would fit yours as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I believe Dion Dawkins out of Temple. Um I mean, there, there's a number of others, but I, I think that that's kind of a, you know, a small sample size, a small pool to choose from. But the point of thresholds really is to diminish the the pool to evaluate from, because theoretically, your evaluations improve if, if it's a smaller sample size. So um, I, I think that's super fascinating. I That never occurred to me with, with, with the Packers. And obviously, many of those were, you know, second day and third day picks. Well. Almost all third day. That's the thing. You look across the board, other than Brian Bulaga, they're all fourth and fifth rounders. I mean, that's, crazy. That, that's impressive. And that's why that's, it's that's funny. That's very impressive. Because you look at, at, at TJ Lang leaving, and yes, it's disconcerting. And you wonder, okay, you've got this big hole in your, in your line now. But then you look at the consistency with which they've found, you know, NFL starters in, on the third yep. day. And some of these guys have had, I mean, David Bakhtiari stepped in at left tackle his rookie year. Yep. You know, so do you, they've certainly... Do you think that they were looking ahead with last year's picks? With Kyle Murphy and Jason Spriggs? You know, or do you with, think with, that... With Spriggs, definitely. I, I do think... It, people talk, ask about Spriggs all the time. And, you know, well, you know, they've locked up Bakhtiari and Bulaga now. So where's he going to play? I just point to 2015 when their offense continually fell apart when either of those guys got hurt. Because they yeah. had to run Dom Barkley at left tackle, that's not going to yeah. that's not going to work. <laughs> so, you know, the Spriggs, didn't they almost put like Richard Rodgers in there at one point? Because oh, of so many I, they, offensive they, line holes. Yeah, something <laughs> like. I mean, they they were doing everything in that game in yeah. Arizona where they got destroyed. But you right. know, so the Spriggs pick was all about okay, let's have a guy on our roster who can play either tackle position, and yeah. you know, our offense doesn't have to completely fall apart if one of these guys right. gets hurt, and then. It just so happens that for the first time, I think, in McCarthy's entire tenure, in 2016, the tackles were made every single start. It just happened yeah. to be that year. So Spriggs didn't get a lot of playing time at tackle, and now Packers fans and observers are like, whoa, what are they going to do with Spriggs? The same thing they planned on doing. He's excellent yeah. insurance at, at the tackle position. In an offense, that doesn't give their tackles a whole lot of help. 
Right. I mean, and, and how important is it for someone who can dominate outside of structure when, you know, a defense is breaking down because of how much time he's given in the pocket and creating space of his own? I mean, tackles might be more important because I, I always contend that interior disruption is king. Um, but for the Packers, for the most part, I mean, the the offense tackles might be their primary blockers just Absolutely. because one on one and giving no help. And again, I mean, it, it allows Aaron Rodgers to do his thing and what separates him from everyone else. So um, it's interesting. And, and I think fans need to realize that, I mean, offensive line is pretty much just seven people, right? Mm, you have your five point. starters. Yep. Then you have your swing tackle. And then you have your utility into your offensive lineman that fills the guard spots in the backup center. And yep. that's it, you yep. know? Exactly. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's impossible to find five good starters practically in the NFL. So even having depth and spending on it in the draft is kind of the only way to go. Cause we see how ridiculous these contracts are in free agency. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, the whole not giving them help thing. I was talking to David Bakhtiari earlier this year on this podcast and he said point blank when they were going to the Atlanta, into the Atlanta game, the regular season game, he had talked to Dwight Freeney on the phone and Freeney had been like working through some injuries, and he point blank told Bakhtiari, "There's no way I'm missing this game because I know I get you one on one on nearly every snap." <laughs> I love that. I just love that. That's that awesome. It's like so, like it's so well known in the league. Like you, yeah. And he's like, "I only have to beat you one time, and right? Then I get, you know, and then all the other snaps don't even matter as long as I beat That's you awesome. once." Um, all right, I'm talking to Josh Norris here. Nagler's never right. Josh, you're an absolute legend for joining me. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, we'll be w- looking out for your stuff at Roto World, NBC Sports, and on Twitter. Thanks so much. Ab- absolutely, man. Anytime. Have a good one. So there you have it. Best in the biz. Josh Norris here on Nagler's Never Right talking NFL draft. Thanks so much to Josh for joining me. Thanks so much to everyone listening and downloading and spreading the word and asking me when it's going to be on iTunes. I don't know, man. At some point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anyone working with me on this stuff, so uh, some year when I have nothing else to do, I will figure out how to get this podcast on iTunes. Anyway, thanks so much, everyone. Make sure you stick around. PackersNews.com each and every day, each and every hour for everything, all the latest on the Green Bay Packers uh, leading up to the draft and beyond. Thanks so much, everyone. Talk to you next week.